go rebuild my church, which as you can see, is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Hi, I'm Peter Doan. And I'm Leslie Doan. And you're listening today to the radio broadcast, Go Rebuild My Church. Each week in this broadcast, we explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus and how this theme is relevant as we seek to bring renewal to the Catholic Church today. Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 13 years ago, and that's when we heard the call to rebuild and joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the Church. Now you can learn more about our journey home and our lay apostolate dedicated to renewal in the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.com. Org. Our prayer is through the ministry of this radio program and our lay apostolate, we can provide pathways for you as individuals, your families, as well as your parishes to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal. If you're joining us for the first time, we want to welcome you. And we've just finished a series of broadcasts that showed the process of spiritual rebuilding and renewal in the seven churches found in the book of Revelation. And we certainly learned a lot, didn't we, Peter? Yes, it was, it was joyful doing that, Leslie. And we're now ready to begin a new series that we're super excited about, one that we've anticipated for nearly two years. It was in our thought process uh, quite a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah, when we first began the broadcast. So, yeah, amen, Leslie. And we're ready to br- begin our new series called Rebuilding and Renewing the Catholic Family as the Domestic Church. Now, in these broadcasts, as we always do, we'll be pulling together the sacred scripture, excerpts from the catechism, the lives of our wonderful saints, and the teaching of the church as we seek to challenge individuals, families, and local parishes to rebuild and renew the Catholic faith here in America. And we will discover that rebuilding and renewing the Catholic family as the domestic church will be critical both to rebuilding the Catholic faith here in America, as well as placing all our Catholic families in the Lord's holy presence for blessing, protection, nurture, and stability in those families. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, from the very beginning, Peter, the family was critical to God's purpose for creation, and we're going to be talking a lot about that. Yet we tend to take it for granted, and we take for granted and don't understand the role that the family was intended to play in God's plan for salvation, and there's so much for us to learn. And I think this is why we need this emphasis on the Catholic family. So where do we begin? Well, let's start today by laying the groundwork, Leslie, to this momentous task of rebuilding the Catholic family here in America. We start by looking into some great insights from the Old Testament. We'll do that in a little bit. The New Testament, the Church Fathers, Vatican II, 
and of course our Catholic catechism. And let's begin with the catechism today for me to read a couple excerpts from the catechism, paragraphs that speak about this domestic church. And, and the catechism puts it beautifully. Yes, it does. First of all, in paragraph 1655, it says, Christ chose to be born and grow up in the bosom of the holy family of Joseph and Mary. That's a great place to start. Just to stop and reflect a minute that Jesus just didn't land on the planet, right? right. He was born in a family right. with jo St. Joseph and Mary. Right. He chose to be in a family. That's right. It goes on to say, from the beginning, the core of the church was often constituted by those who had become believers together with their households. When they were converted, they desired that whole household should be saved. And it finally says in this paragraph, these families who became believers were islands. I like that. I like that idea that become islands of Christian life in an unbelieving world. Have you ever thought of our family as an island, Leslie? I think it's kind of like that today. Yes, it is. Uh, the next paragraph is 1656. It says, in our own time, in a world often alien and even hostile to the faith, believing families are primary importance as centers of living, radiant faith. For this reason, the Second Vatican Council, using an ancient expression, calls the family Ecclesia Domestica. That is the domestic church. There it is. Yep. It is in the bosom of the family that parents are, by word and example, the catechism says, the first heralds of the faith. In other words, they're proclaiming this faith, Leslie, even the kerygma to the children. Okay? They should encourage them, it says, in their vocation, which is proper to each child, fostering with special care any religious vocation in that family. And then finally, Leslie, by, again, laying the foundation out of the catechism in Paragraph 1657 says this, it is here that the father of the family, the mother, the children, and all members of the family exercise the priesthood of the baptized in a very privileged way. And then it goes on to name, Leslie, like 13, I would call dynamisms that are produced in that Catholic domestic church the catholic family right. the parents acting in the role of the priesthood yeah and and it's the sacraments are become alive and real prayer and thanksgiving the catechism says the witness of a holy life self-denial and active charity all that's going on in the family it goes on to say thus the home is the first school of christian life and a school for human enrichment and finally, it says in this paragraph, here one is learning endurance and joy of work. That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, fraternal love, generous, even repeated forgiveness. Boy, that's important. And above all, divine worship and prayer and the offering of one's life. Well, this is starting to answer the why on just how the family plays such an important role in the rebuilding of the Catholic faith. And there is so much in the catechism, those are very rich words. Yes, they are. It should inspire us. The, fa the family has a high calling and purpose, and we are to be the first heralds of the faith, the first school of Christian life, and centers of living radiant faith. So as you mentioned today, we want to lay the groundwork. So you're going to take us into some other areas that you mentioned and start with the Old Testament. 
Yeah, Leslie, and again, we're, we're answering the question why mm-hmm. the domestic church today. Uh, I want to mention that I reference, throughout this series, I will reference a wonderful work by a Dr. Joseph Atkinson called The Biblical and Theological Foundations of the Family, the Domestic Church. And I wanted to acknowledge that reference as we move through this series. So yes, what does the church mean when she calls the family a domestic church? Let's discuss briefly in the scriptures and the development how that term has been used and has become helpful it starts with judaism leslie it has always placed the significance on the family the family has always been at the heart starting back in the garden with adam and eve of course the domestic church as a term describes the Christian family has become a household phrase in recent years despite its use by the church fathers the term fell out of use for more than a thousand years which is pretty amazing and after Vatican II it's become more common and so first of all we are going to explore the purpose of the family in salvation history starting with the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited for us to launch out into this new aspect of the call to rebuild my church. So we're going to take a quick break now. And when we come back, we'll look at how the roots of the family as a domestic church developed throughout history. So please stay with us. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, Play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. Today we're going to bring to you, our listening audience, an exciting and critical new series of broadcasts. We'll explore the call to rebuild and renew the Catholic family as the domestic church. As Peter mentioned earlier, this has been a lifetime concern for us both in our years as evangelical leaders and now as we have returned to the Catholic Church. This series will both be theological as well as practical. Mm -hmm. We will discuss the historical, biblical, theological, and spiritual underpinnings of the Catholic family, as well as practical ways to rebuild the life of this part of the church. Peter, I know our purpose today is to introduce the whole subject, to explain the why. So please give us some new insights from the Old Testament that we can hang our hats on today. Amen, Leslie. Uh, First of all, we should consider the Old Testament when we talk about the family as the domestic church. It is grounded in the Hebrew understanding of the nature of the human person, that is man and woman, are always seen as and looked at in communal terms. That's communal terms. This idea runs throughout the whole of the Old Testament. It's in contrast with many of the ideas in Western culture today, Leslie, of the human person as individualistic, isolated, autonomous, and self-determining, right? The church's understanding of the Christian family has its roots there, first of all, in that Old Testament idea, the communal idea. 
The Hebrew mindset was not individualistic. There's an African proverb that says, I am because we are. That kind of expresses what we're trying to say here. In Genesis, the family, of course, is the fruit of marriage, and in its purpose, it says in Scripture, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. So what marriage was, as we're taught by that, marriage's fruitfulness causes the image of God, because we're made in his image, to spread throughout the whole world. That was God's intention in the garden helping to realize God's intention of drawing humanity into full communion with himself through all the covenants that we also see in the Old Testament. And sometimes we forget the purpose of marriage. Yeah, yes we do. It's not just to fulfill this romantic longing, but there's a true purpose in salvation history. Exactly right. And talking about these covenants in the Old Testament and their promises are made with individuals, but also with individuals that included their families. Abraham and his family were chosen to spread the kingdom throughout the world. And this is the purpose that God gave to Israel. And it's interesting, a lot of times, Leslie, when we reading the Old Testament, we come up on those genealogies, and I kind of say, oh, ho-hum, do I have to really read that genealogy? But the genealogies of the Old Testament are really, really important because these are the families named that carried that covenant. They helped realize the vision, which is fulfilled, of course, ultimately, when we get to Jesus Christ. The importance of the family as the carrier of the covenant does not come to an end with the coming of Jesus, we'll see and talk about the Messiah, but rather Jesus completes what the Old Testament began way back in the garden. Yes, we're going to talk about this a lot, that it doesn't end with the coming of Jesus. Instead, the family has an even more important role to play in salvation history and in the church. Mm -hmm. As we all know, and we mentioned in the catechism, the Savior chose to be born into a family. Mm -hmm. And I love that African quote that you shared, Peter. It really says it all. Mm -hmm. I am because we are. Let's think about that. Mm -hmm. I am because we are. And that That was certainly my experience growing up, because what I am is a result of my family upbringing. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Um, There was definitely a we to our family, our nuclear family. There was, first of all, our family unit, my mom, dad, my one brother, my three sisters. And just as important to our family as a unit and recognizing us as a unit, we were connected to the church. Right. And then our family not only was connected to the church, we were connected to a Catholic school within the church. Yeah. So our friends, our activities, our uh, worship at Sunday Mass, our sports, I was even a cheerleader at our Catholic school, it defined us more fully. Mm-hmm. We were not an isolated family making it on our own. Mm-hmm. And underpinning all of that, Peter, was my parents' faith. My mother was very devout and very faithful to her daily prayers after she passed away. Um, All of us were able to take a a copy of her daily prayer books, Mm -hmm. and uh, they were very well worn. Mm -hmm. And my father, we all recalled growing up, learning the story of my father and how he had a terrible accident, and he developed gangrene, and he almost died. He actually had the last rites. 
And we all knew that story, and we all knew that the Lord had preserved his life. Mm -hmm. And then last but not least, obviously underpinning our family was our worship. And we went to Mass together as a family every Sunday, and it was a non-negotiable. You would not think of not going to Mass. On Sunday morning, nothing ever entered into your head except get ready for Mass, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So who I am is definitely a result of my family upbringing. I am because we are. Right. And that certainly mirrors a lot of my experience too, Leslie, growing up in a Irish Catholic family with five of us siblings and my parents and my father, interestingly enough, in the early days was a Presbyterian, brought up Presbyterian. So it was my Irish mother that marched us off to mass every Sunday. And as you also mentioned, we had that connection with the, ch- the church, the family, and the school. And I went to a good old St. Michael's Catholic School in Newark, New York. And um, as a result of that, my whole culture was built around that triad of family, church, and school. My friends that I played basketball with and played sports with were all in the school, and there was a commonality that we had among ourselves. And I and, and some of my earliest memories have to do with that Catholic faith being taught to me at home. Every day before I went to went to school, my mother would have me kneel down in front of a picture of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and she would light a votive light, and we would kneel there and pray for my day. And as I talk about it, I can remember it like it was yesterday happening to me. And those were the those were the actions in that domestic church that really. Even when I fell away from the Lord, the Lord could come back to me by the Holy Spirit and water those seeds and then bring me back to him. And by God's grace, I'm still with him. Well, on paper, this is what the domestic church looks like. So listeners, it's time for another short break. And when we return, we will continue to trace the history of the family as the domestic church. So please stay with us. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Do you like game shows? How about trivia? You're listening to Catholic Radio, so I assume you're interested in the Catholic Church. Catholic Challenge 2.0 is the newest addition to our programming lineup here on Catholic Radio Indy a 30-minute quiz show covering almost everything Catholic. Catholic Challenge 2.0 tests your knowledge and teaches at the same time. Check it out every Thursday afternoon at 4.30 right here on Catholic Radio Indy. You're listening to the radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. Today, we are beginning a new series that will explore how the Catholic family can become a powerful domestic church. In our last segment, we discussed how in the Old Testament, the family created by God received the mandate to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with the image of God. We learned how the family was the context in which this would be fulfilled as the genealogies in the Old Testament demonstrate. The promises, even when they were made to individuals, implied a family context. So, Peter, what about the New Testament? What do we learn as we enter into the New Covenant? That's right. So we are obviously led into the New Testament, the New Covenant, and Jesus Christ 
is the family brings to the family redemption and life, doesn't he? I mean, it's the it's he brings redemption and lift to the concept and the experience of family through his incarnation and the Paschal mystery. Jesus enters into the human family and brings it into the divine family, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and establishing his church, which calls us out from being alienated from God, Leslie, and into communion with him. So, and it's through the sacrament of baptism, which unites us to Jesus Christ, that the family's brought into communion, indeed, with the Trinity itself. And like the church, the Christian family becomes a new creation, doesn't it? Sent out to communicate the life of God to the world, just like the original intention was back in the garden. In fact, Leslie, there's a theological name for that. It's called recapitulation, which means that God wants to restore his original intention that was in the garden. You can see that when Jesus talks about divorce in the Gospels, where he says, Yes, you're allowed to, Moses allowed divorce, but it wasn't that way from the beginning. The Lord wants to go back to the beginning and it be recapitulated. And this is what we're talking about with the family as well. In fact, the Trinity uh, has been in communion, right? And in fellowship forever and ever. And that idea and that experience, Jesus wanted to bring to the family. A Catholic family is called to replicate that close relationship with each other and to spread it abroad. So we can see, Peter, how Jesus entered the family through his incarnation and then through the sacrament of baptism, he calls the family to represent the Trinity and to be in close fellowship with him and each other. Mm-hmm. And as we look at the writings of the apostles, we can also see that they emphasize the importance of the family as well. Yes, and we certainly see this in St. Paul, Leslie, who speaks of the churches that literally met in homes at the beginning. They didn't have church buildings, and they met in the homes, and those homes were sanctified, right? By being baptized in Christ, the Lord's life sanctified those homes, which means that the household takes on a church-like dimension. And we can see this idea of the, the seedlings of domestic church even being built at this early time. Baptism replaced circumcision, the scripture tells us that, as the form of initiation into the family of God. And very often, baptism took place within a household, just like in the Old Covenant, whole families and not merely individuals entered into the church and into the New Covenant. We really see that like in when Paul came was busted out of jail with Silas by that earthquake, and the Philippian jailer, it said called on the name of the Lord, and he and his whole household were baptized and came into the faith. So the family's significance did not lessen in the new covenant at all, but found its fulfillment in our Lord Jesus. When Jesus said that he would divide the family, we've talked about, or there's scriptures where he said he would divide families, father against mother and mother against daughter-in-law, etc., he was setting one member against another. It's not against the family, but against the family that prevents a person's conversion to him, Jesus Christ. Well, Peter, I think it's so important to make the connections to the old covenant and see that the new covenant Catholic family has a restored mandate that was actually given first to our 
uh, original parents, Adam and Eve, right. a mandate to live out and pass on the new covenant to each generation. Mm-hmm. And I know how you love to see the church fathers in our Catholic history and how they confirm and affirm our faith. Mm-hmm. What do the church fathers have to say about the family, and in particular the domestic church? Because I think this is very interesting. Yeah, this is another important phase of the development of the domestic church, Leslie. And it was used by many of the church fathers, especially St. Augustine of Hippo. He preached that father of families like bishops and clergy have an ecclesial role or a church role being responsible for the care of the souls under them. Then St. John Chrysostom, called the golden mouth, does not use the term domestic church, but does call the home, I like this, a little church. So in the commentary on Genesis, Chrysostom encourages parents to make your home a church in order to put the devil to flight and to work towards the formation of a family of Christ. So the family is called to do spiritual warfare. We will do, we'll, we'll even do a show on that, Leslie. So the practical recommendations from the church fathers offered us how to make a home a little church, and it's still relevant today, especially their insistence on reading the scripture as a family. That was really important and a part of their emphasis. Also in the church father's view, married parents were like icons of the love of Christ and his church, and their children would be partakers of that love. And finally, but understanding the family as a little church called to holiness fell by the wayside, Leslie, after Constantine, and it was consecrated religious life that became the primary model for holiness. Rather than the family. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't until the Second Vatican Council that we'll talk about next week that the idea of the Christian family as a domestic church was recovered. For our listeners that are just hearing the term, the domestic church, we're learning today that it dates back to the church fathers. Mm -hmm. And very simply, it identifies the family as the smallest body of gathered believers in Christ. Our early church fathers had so much wisdom. They understood that the family was where discipleship should happen. Exactly. And this term, the domestic church, was more recently discovered and revived in the church. And this happened at the Second Vatican Council. Mm -hmm. So, Peter, what is so important about recovering the idea of the family as a domestic church in Vatican II? Well, uh, out of the document Lumen Gentium, they stated, the family is, so to speak, the domestic church. Its parents should, by their word and example, be the first preachers of the faith to their children. It said they should encourage them in the vocation, which is proper to each of them, fostering with special care vocation to a sacred state. And Leslie, at this point, I think we should stop and pray that these realities of the uh, family as the domestic church will begin to percolate and ruminate in us. Heavenly Father, We thank you for your divine plan that began way in the beginning, that you chose family to be your special place, your special presence to take your covenant, your love to the ends of the earth. Help us, O Lord, to continue to recover the beauty of the family as the domestic church and use these broadcasts to bring these realities to each of us. In Jesus' name, I pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Well, thank you listeners for joining us today as we seek to connect you as individuals, your families and parishes to the rebuilding and renewal of the Catholic faith here in America. And make sure to become a regular listener of Catholic Radio Indy. Goodbye for now and keep keep the the faith. You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org.